Matt Lewis is one of the nation's leading experts in career transition for veterans and public service professionals. He coaches individuals on their transition efforts and advises employers on hiring programs designed to successfully assimilate these valuable talent pools. His new book, Hiring Veterans, is up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Service isn't just what Navy Federal Credit Union does, it's who they are. That's why Navy Federal created tools to help you earn and save more. Find out more at NavyFederal.org. Army veteran Matt Lewis, author of Hiring Veterans. Matt, uh, welcome back to the show. Had you back uh, in 2019 on the show. Talk about your first book and uh, your second book, Hiring Veterans, is coming out here real soon. It's, this episode will release in September, so it's almost perfect timing for your book release. And uh, uh, you know, we, we post your last time you're on was pre-COVID. Now we're post-COVID, so um, we're both still here. Take us back. Tell us what you did in the army. Yeah, Joe. First, uh, appreciate it. Uh, really enjoy coming back on the show. And by the time this airs, uh, the, the book Hiring Veterans will be published. It's due out on Labor Day uh, of 2023 here. Uh, so again, just to kind of refresh people's minds, if they didn't listen to the episode a few years back, uh, quick thumbnail sketch on who I am and, and my Army involvement there. Uh, I'm a West Point grad, class of 91, uh, first Gulf War veteran, uh, was in the Army uh, as a tanker, uh, an officer. Spent five years active duty, another 16 in the reserves, and uh, ultimately retiring as a lieutenant colonel. Uh, did a number of things in the reserves, uh, working at the Pentagon for a while, uh, serving as a, a recruiter, more or less, for, for West Point, my alma mater. Uh, really enjoyed the time there, but uh, that, that made for a couple transitions, one out of active duty and uh, one that was a, a little less challenging in the reserves because I'd been uh, in the corporate world uh, for quite a bit of time by then. So that that's kind of the short story. And so as you transitioned out of the Army back then, um into the corporate world, what, what was, what were some of the highlights of your transition, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you've learned a lot about transition because you're basically in the transition business at this point. So I'd like to hear what your initial transition was like. Uh, so I left, and this is ancient history for, <laughs> for, for those coming out of the military today, but I left active duty in the mid nineties. These were the Clinton drawdown years. Uh, and because of that, that was part of my motivation for, for getting out. There wasn't, again, being part of the armored force, uh, that, that branch was hit a bit disproportionately from some of the others. I didn't see a, a big future there at the time. So I use graduate school as my transition vehicle. Uh, not, it's still single digits in terms of veterans that choose, uh, higher education as their path. It worked for me. It doesn't work for everyone. Uh, and then I went from there on, on to the corporate world. I was very purposeful about it because I had kind of put a plan in place a couple of years ahead of actually leaving active duty. So I did quite a bit of study. I actually took some um, graduate level courses while I was still on active duty um, and purposely transitioned. But even so, that still left quite a, a struggle I faced in leaving. At the time, 
the support systems that exist today were non-existent pretty much. Yeah. Uh, the army, again, I'm an army guy had in place in its infancy, a little program called army career alumni program, Not, nothing like the SFL tap or its various permutations today. Uh, it was administered literally within your last five days on active duty uh, by those that frankly had just departed the service themselves, came, you know, took off the, the green suit, came back in, we're in a, a, a civilian suit the next day. So it was a kind of an exercise in the blind leading the blind. Yeah. So I kind of figured out myself, I, I'd assume that was going to be the way anyway. And again, I, I was a little more proactive and purposeful about it, but that still didn't prevent the issues that a lot of us face. Yeah. And so your, your experience with corporate America and having the job, where did, uh, where did the interest in, you know, transition and hiring veterans and getting involved uh, in, in, in the military transition come from? Yeah. So there's a couple interwoven themes there. Uh, one would be just the, the focus on entrepreneurship. And we covered some of this ground on our, our last uh, uh, time together, uh, whereby in spite of all of the planning that I did, I was ultimately impacted by a couple rifts over the course of my career uh, that alerted me to the fact that I need to have a, a plan B. Uh, and that ultimately came what is now Lewis Advisors. It's well over a, a decade old now, but it oversees all of my publishing work, which is a good segue to the second theme around how I've kind of pivoted my personal journey, career journey uh, over the better part of the past decade to focus on this core issue of eliminating the civil military divide in the country. Uh, and really what, what spurred my book efforts and what I'm doing now having left the corporate world entirely as president of a little startup called PurePost. So just to, to outline how one, my, my work is driven today and then maybe get into a bit of the rationale specifically on the, the book efforts, but I'm, I'm tackling this vision of eliminating the civil military divide in the country on three different fronts or in the military, we would call them lines of effort. Uh, the first on military side was the first book we talked about on my last appearance here several years back called Mission Transition. It's gone on to be the most awarded book of its kind. I'm proud to say it's a practical guide to help our service members find full employment, optimal career fields when they leave the military. Awesome. But that's only half the, of the civ mill divide. The other half is the civil side, and that's what hiring veterans is all about, which comes out on Labor Day. This is a practical guide for organizational leaders. I'll, I'll use that more agnostic term whether it's for-profit, non-profit, academic organizations, governmental organizations, they're all case studies in the book, a practical guide for them on how to put together programs to successfully assimilate members of the military community, veterans, mill spouses, what have you. Yeah. Uh, but even if you're successful with those two, there still exists in my mind, by my way of thinking, a lack of a warm handoff from an employment standpoint, again, all of this is focused squarely on employment for reasons we can get into. Uh, and that's where my work on PeerPost comes in. Uh, what PeerPost does, real quick thumbnail sketch, instantly translates all the work that you've done in your experience, military, civilian, and instantly matches you with any employment opening for which you're a fit based on that translation anywhere in the U.S. economy today. It's a very unique way of matching gets you as an individual a, a more optimal fit, enables you better uh, upward mobility and better uh, ability to assimilate within that organization for the organization uh, over time and at scale 
gets them uh, better productivity and competitiveness. So it's it's really a win-win, and that, that that's where I'm focused these days. Service isn't just what Navy Federal Credit Union does, it's who they are. That's why Navy Federal created tools to help you earn and save more. Make your financial goals a reality with great rates and low fees. Navy Federal has made it their mission to help military members and their families tackle home ownership. With their new no refi rate drop option, you can buy a home now, and if rates drop later, you can then lower your rate without refinancing. Plus, they also offer mortgage options with zero down payment, so you don't need to wait years to save. At Navy Federal, our members of the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Membership required, equal housing lender. Open to the armed forces, the DOD veterans, and their families. Loans subject to approval and eligibility requirements. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Hurricane season is here, and we are preparing for Hurricane Idalia right now here in Florida. When Hurricane Ida hit the Gulf Coast, it destroyed countless homes and left many without access to food and clean water. Millions lost power, some for weeks. The floods that followed the hurricane washed out roads and made it impossible for grocery stores to restock their shelves. Families were left hungry and desperate, waiting for help that was slow to arrive. But what if you didn't have to rely on FEMA to provide for your family during a crisis? The answer is simple. Be prepared with emergency food kits from 4Patriots. Their long-lasting and delicious food options are specifically designed to provide you and your loved ones with the sustenance you need when you need it most. 4Patriots survival food kits are hand-packed in the USA, Last for up to 25 years, compact inside covert storage totes, include a wide variety of delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, backed by thousands of five-star customer reviews. Four Patriots Survival Food is not just for natural disasters, because in today's world of uncertain supply chains and unpredictable emergencies, it's more important than ever to have backup plan. Whether it's a temporary power outage, a winter blizzard, or a rising food cost, you can rest easy knowing that you have a reliable source of food to see you through. And right now, you can go to 4 and use the code VETERAN to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store, including our emergency food supply kits designed to last up to 25 years. Go to 4 and use code VETERAN to get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriots Survival Food. That's 4 Use code VETERAN. All right, back talking with Army veteran Matt Lewis, author of Hiring Veterans. So, Matt, after your, your interview... Um, number 501. So I've heard this story many, many times. Why, why is it that most employers just don't get it when it comes to hiring veterans? Yeah, it's a critical piece and a premise around the, the, the second book that I wrote. I think a large part of it has to do with a, with a dearth of presence of any individuals, especially at leadership positions in organizations that have any military experience whatsoever. And, and I don't just mean actual service in the military, but any exposure to them in terms of families. Uh, there's, and this is documented in, in studies, whereby in recent generations, we've kind of created an insular military class, meaning that uh, a, a much greater percentage of uh, offspring of military people were the ones that end up serving uh, in the military. Yeah. And, so there's there's fewer and fewer families, uh, I'll put it at that level, around the country that have anyone that they would know within their family that that has served. Uh, I don't want to go down a rat hole there, but in, in my opinion, that's something that needs to change. Right. Uh, what, what the impact of that is in, in these organizations is you've got, just to quote a few statistics, 
I mean, there's been a 90% drop and there's a, a uh, generational thing we can talk about in the corporate world that has driven this, but a 90% drop uh, between call it 1980, 2006, and the number of large publicly held organizations that had a CEO with any military experience whatsoever. If you broaden that, it, by the way, that percentage is now 2.6%. But even if you broaden that to include all board members, it, it's still less than 5%. So flip those numbers around. If you know, you're coming out of the military, uh, interviewing for role to particular level, there's 95, 97% chance that person sitting across the desk from you has absolutely no idea who you are, what you've done, what you can do. Yeah. Uh, they're influenced by many of the, of the stereotypes uh, that you see in, in media and in mainstream movies and right. what have you. Uh, what that has led to and why veterans experience what they do coming out is, again, just to quote a few statistics, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce tells us, and these are rare, very recent numbers, uh, small businesses, which make up 90% of, I'm sorry, which make up more than 99% of businesses in this country, 90% of them intentionally do not hire veterans. And they're responsible for 42% of all new jobs in the country, uh, which is bad. And just to back that up, if, if you expand it to larger organizations, Corn Ferry did a study of 700 businesses, most of whom were larger, 80% of them do not hire veterans. 71% don't provide talent acquisition professionals training, and 52% of them don't provide onboarding or transition support. So the, while there's good news and lots of good case studies, some of which I highlight in the book, the, the takeaway here is <laughs> far and away, majority, you know, most, uh, of organizations, large, small, what have you, are not taking advantage of the talent and the value that our, our veteran talent pool offers them. What is the motivation behind that? Or is it just uh, omission? <laughs> Again, I think, one, it's, it's in part ignorance. Now there's <laughs> a couple other things to cite. I mean, uh, veterans are an increasingly shrinking portion of the population. If you sure. look at the U.S. population growth overall, and the population growth of veterans, it's trending down. And it's going to con continue to trend down in the, the coming decades. Uh, so if, if you look at it from, if you're a for-profit company, uh, on, from an ROI standpoint, uh, why would I invest incremental funds for an increasingly shrinking portion of my prospective uh, workforce? Uh, th that's really the the... the challenge, if you will, that for-profit organizations seek or, or face rather. Uh, so that's kind of what's driving that. Yeah. And one thing we, we've always, always noticed a recurring theme is in the civilian world, they focus on hiring hard skills, uh, the, the MBA, the CPA, the Six Sigma, all that kind of stuff, things, that you, the, all those letters that go after your name. Whereas the, the true talent of the military individual comes in soft skills, people skills, you know, dealing with people, leadership, motivation. Those are some of those things are harder to capture on a resume. And, and the civilian world needs somebody with this particular skill. They can plug in right here and let them loose and go. They don't they don't they don't see the, the long term picture unless they're hiring for specific leadership positions. But we hear that a lot in the military and a lot of military folks, a lot of veterans themselves 
tend to focus on their hard skills and don't know how to express their soft skills in interviews and trying to get jobs. Well, there's, I'd, I'd come back to that from a couple of angles. There, so there's some truth to that, uh, but I'm going to throw some cold water on it as well. Uh, for the one thing, and, and this is news to, I think, to most civilian organizational leaders I, I speak with, one of the stereotypes out there is anyone coming out of the military is a trigger puller. Yes. meaning served in a combat arms capacity. Right. I was one of those. I was one of those tankers shooting big bullets downrange. Thankfully, there's not a lot of M1 Abrams tanks rolling down our streets. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is combat arms specialties make up only about 15% of individuals serving in our military today. Right. So flip that around, 85% serve in a capacity that is directly accredited to an equivalent functional uh, capacity that exists in an organization today. Now, that's not to say that those coming out of the military have to assume that role. In fact, about half end up working in a career field that's different than the one that they were in uh, in the military. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, it, it does uh, portray the opportunity for individuals to find uh, career fields th that match what they're bringing uh, with them from their time in the service. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the big ticket items that organizations that are looking to hire veterans, what are some of the things they need to do? What are some of the things they need to address in their hiring process and in their retention process to foster that, that hiring the veteran concept? Yeah. So I mean, I'd point out, I mean, to, to bubble it down to what are the minimum requirements for success from an organization standpoint, um, and, and by the way, just to highlight uh, what is in it for them uh, in, in terms of what uh, the veterans that they would uh, would hire, what they're ultimately going to bring uh, to the table here. Uh, if you hire veterans, uh, first of all, you're exposing yourself to the, the nation's military community, which comprises 37 million folks who wield 1.2 trillion with a T in annual buying power. So one, if if you endear yourself to them, uh, you are helping your organization and embellish your brand in the eyes of these people. So you stand to reap a, a financial reward for starters from an organizational top line revenue basis. From a bottom line productivity standpoint, there's an upside too. Again, studies show that organizations with most inclusive and best talent management approaches that include veterans, have several advantages. Uh, one, they realize a 22% increase in productivity. They realize a 13 times higher mean cash flow from their operations. They're four times more able to deal with personal performance problems and three times more likely to identify and build leaders. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge uh, upside. And by the way, there's also work opportunity to tax credits that organizations can take uh, by hiring veterans as well. Uh, so there's all kind of benefits to be stood. Now, to enable it is the challenge, and that's why my book exists. And just to foot stomp a couple what I'll call minimum requirements for success. Uh, first is these things, and frankly, probably any and all talent-focused initiatives need to be driven top down. And frankly, the larger the organization, the more important it is that it's driven from uh, executive level leadership in the organization, both from a financial and a, a programmatic standpoint. They have to walk the talk. Uh, goodwill only goes so far and it's not gonna make these things a success. So 
one, it needs to be driven substantially uh, from the top. Uh, second, I would say one of the first things they need to do is create what I call an employee resource group. Um, some may alternately use the, the term business resource group, but I like the term employee resource group because it's driven and it is it's, uh, composed, comprised of the workforce itself. In this case, one focused on veterans. You need to create a tribe, a, a circle of peers within the organization, one that's going to enable that group to thrive within the organization, but also aid those that are in the position that are are doing all the recruiting and onboarding and, and assimilation of this valuable talent pool. Once you have that group in place, they can help you start to put in place all your onboarding materials, your mentoring programs, which is the other key component of successfully assimilating, acclimating these folks in-house. A couple other points I would make in terms of minimum requirements for success. (laughs) Any offering like this, any program like this is going to be required to demonstrate a return on investment. This is going to require an investment of of some sort. And so because of that, uh, the the program needs to link its specific goals with the organization's strategic goals and demonstrate how success with the program is going to move the needle at the organizational level. And then the, the last point I highlight is because veterans are a protected class, uh, and from a hiring standpoint, you need to be uh, compliant with any and all regulatory, regulatory obligations. And if, if you're a federal contractor, you know, those become even uh, more substantial. Absolutely. Awesome. Great info. What, what, um, what, what kind of case studies can you discuss? Yeah. So, I mean, case studies, I'll, I'll throw out a couple. Again, they run the gamut, uh, but there's a number of, you know, big for-profit companies out there. Um, you know, JP Morgan Chase is very gracious. Uh, if anyone knows Mark Elliott, who leads the uh, veterans military affairs efforts at JP Morgan, he wrote the forward to the book. Uh, JP Morgan, and, and by the way, in full transparency, I sit on their external advisory council for that group. Uh, JP Morgan, as many may know, is the founder of the 100,000 Jobs Mission, which became the Veteran Jobs Mission because they quickly uh, shot past that number. Uh, that that group of organizations now includes, uh, I think it's approaching 400 organizations around the country, uh, which work together to share best practices and uh, to bring on more vets and, and male spouses. Uh, so J.P. Morgan's big. Uh, Amazon is a case study. Uh, Walmart is a case study. Uh, my classmate there, Brent Parmeter, who just left, became the the chief uh, human resources officer at the Department of Defense, first one in its history. So that's good. Uh, Procter & Gamble, one of my former employers, is a case study. Uh, to get away from large corporate organizations, uh, there's also Xavier University, academic institution, uh, right in my backyard here in Cincinnati, uh, one of the leading uh, uh, veteran success centers on a, a campus in the country, and there are several other examples I call the book as well. Uh, governmentally, the, the State Department uh, is a, a prime example of a federal agency that's doing it well. Uh, they're part of the book. Uh, but also I want to call out a couple smaller organizations that I feature, again, reflecting back on the stats I quoted earlier, there's a greater need in my mind that small businesses uh, adopt the approaches that are going to bring on veterans. And a couple of those that I feature in the book are um, Cajun Industries and Performance Contractors, both of whom very, have very robust 
uh, programs down around the, the Gulf area and the construction and oil and gas industries. Wow. Um, what are some of the other things going on in the industry, uh, veteran hiring and, and some of the other trends that you're seeing? So uh, <laughs> this is timely because some of your listeners may have, by the time this airs in September, this may be somewhat old news, but I suspect it's going to have a, a long tail to it. Uh, but a couple of weeks back, the Supreme Court issued an opinion about uh, having uh, race uh, profiled or identified as a criteria in decisions for uh, academic institutions like Harvard and uh, University of North Carolina were the two that were called out. But now they, in essence, any higher level institutions can no longer use race as a defining criteria. And I see that evolving to impact uh, organizational DEI programs. uh, And there's many, uh, you know, large mainstream media publications uh, projecting the same. I think you'll see some, uh, call outs in the courts and some activity there along these lines as well. Uh, I, I show up here with some, some good news. And I, if I assume that that reaches it's perhaps inevitable conclusion that veterans show up as a means to uh, fill that void, if you will, because when you hire veterans, you're implicitly hiring a diverse workforce. 31% yeah. of veterans come from ethnic and racial minorities, 17% and growing are, are women. Um, and b- based on the stats I quoted earlier, you're not just hiring a diverse workforce, you're hiring a successful workforce that, that has demonstrated, you know, success in all yes. kinds of environments, uh, all around the world. Uh, it, just a quote from, uh, uh, the, one of the case studies in this one from Procter and Gamble, uh, you know, kind of what value they see in, in veterans uh, they see, you know, Procter and Gamble in the military having very similar cultural components. Uh, they they think that they're both mission focused. They both value the ability to inspire and motivate teams. They value the ability to overcome obstacles. They involve understanding and implementing a leader's intent, and they're uh, they have success in uh, in both of them. Involved that involves operating well under stress. So. Uh, Again, all, all kinds of value that can be gained here if people would just open their minds uh, and make the effort. Wow. Phenomenal. A lot of great things going on. So uh, where can we find your book, Hiring Veterans? Hiring Veterans comes out Labor Day. You can find it anywhere books are sold. Uh, I'll footstomp access to my website, which contains tons of resources that uh, complement and supplement the book. Uh, website is MatthewJLewis.com. Awesome. Awesome. And Matthew with two T's, right? Matthew with two T's and Lewis is in St. Louis. Exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Matt, we are getting close to the end of our time here. I want to give you the last word. Uh, um, Somebody's getting out of the military, um, whether they want to go into entrepreneurship, start their own business, or they want to get uh, the cool term I heard from from my last interview, they want to get that lifeboat job uh, on their way out. What kind of advice comes to mind as far as uh, things they should be doing and preparing themselves to go into the civilian sector? Yeah, so a couple things. One, I, I instantly call out my first book, Mission Transition. We talked about it before. In, in my view, it's a must read. 
uh, preferably about a, a year or more, up to two years prior to you consider leave, leaving the service, especially if you're considering the entrepreneurial route. Uh, talk through a number of exercises uh, and self-reflection you're going to want to do before you pull that trigger. Um, just trying to not, in fact, you know, it's a great career field for veterans. They tend to succeed more than the non-veterans, uh, but you need to have that dialed in for uh, your own benefit and your family's benefit. I don't want to see anybody falling flat on their face. Uh, so that's point one. Point two would be if if entrepreneurship is not uh, your focus area, I, I'd strongly encourage you to create what we call a passport at peerpost.co. We talked about my involvement with PeerPost earlier. And Again, that's uh, just for clarification, P-U-R-E-P-O-S-T dot I-O? Correct. Dot C-O. Dot C-O. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. All right. Great. Yep. Yep. Peerpost.co. It's for free for life for everyone. Go out, create a passport. It'll take you 15 minutes. Instantly translate either anything that you've done, uh, civilian and military work experience, and match you with any employment opening for which you're a fit based on that translation. Awesome. Great stuff. All right, Matt. Well, thanks for uh, sharing sharing your success story and uh, doing all the great things that you're out there doing for the veteran community and look forward to seeing your future success. Glad to do it, Joe. And thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it. You bet. All right. These two veterans are asking Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, This veteran is Oscar Mike.